Hello and welcome to Over the Phone. Uh, last week we had, or la- I guess last month now, uh, we had uh, Philip Molasina. He was uh, running for mayor. And if you haven't listened to that one yet, definitely take a listen to that. Um, but this time around, we got Tim Sure. He's an author and businessman from Nashville, right? That's right. That's right. All right. Yeah. And um, he's coming on the show today to talk about his new book, The Secret Society of Success. It's coming out May 17th. We're getting into it. Um, I'm super excited. So welcome to the show, Tim. Hey, man. Thanks so much for having me. I'm pumped to be here. I've been truly looking forward to this for a very long time, ever ever since you and I first started writing each other on Instagram. And um, this is kind of a strange question and a phrase, but uh, just so my audience can kind of understand who you are, who is Tim Sure? Yeah, that's a good question. Okay. I'll start with this story and, and I'll, I'll answer that question. So you know, I'm sure a lot of us are familiar with this idea, you know, the story of Apollo 11, right? You have Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, you know, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. What a lot of people don't know, there's actually a third astronaut on that mission, and his name was Michael Collins. So here you have Michael Collins, the guy Ubers Neil and Buzz to the moon, drops them off. And so then those guys have the various tasks that they do on the moon surface while Michael stays in the command module and orbits them in something like 26 times until these guys are ready to be picked up and brought back to Earth. So what would make this a pretty miserable story is if Michael Collins gets back and sits down with the press and says something like, well, it sure would have been nice to actually walk on the moon and, you know, acted like a victim, you know, tried to take the spotlight away from the mission as a whole. But what's beautiful to me and why I love this story so much is that's not at all what happens. What he talks about with the press instead is how content he was to have had one of the three seats. Like he was happy to be a part of the mission. And so, you know, there was a a time in my life when I felt and believed that to be successful, you have to step into the spotlight, climb the ladder to be happy. Do we have to actually walk on the moon? You know, and so these, these are the messages and the things that I felt and believed. And there was a time in my life when right as I was uh, starting college, I started writing songs and, you know, I wanted to be a musician. I thought I was going to be the next John Mayer. And so I really pursued music. But what I learned and discovered was, you know, the, the fulfillment and the contentment that I was looking for in my life wasn't really coming from that pursuit. Um, in fact, what I was feeling and experiencing at that time in my life was a lot of comparison, a lot of striving, a lot of you know, demanding attention. And so I've been on this journey in the last 15 years of my career to really redefine what success is. And that's what this book's about. And I, you know, I, I feel like in a lot of ways, I wrote it for myself. I wish I would have had this 10 years ago because I feel like I would have saved years in my life not having to chase after this faulty definition of success. But, you know, I'm, I'm on a better path now, largely because of the lessons that I've learned from the people who I, I talk about in this book. So going back to uh, that question, I said, like, who is Tim Sure? I want to ask, like, uh, you know, where are you from? Uh, just kind of that kind of story. Yeah. So I grew up in Kansas City, and that's where I went to high school. I actually spent my first couple years of college. Um, and so, yeah, I wanted to, to be a musician and so moved to Nashville thinking that this would kind of help me in that, uh, kind of 
That would, that would level me up. That would get me closer to this dream. And so lived in Nashville, I've been in uh, Nashville since 2007 and had a couple years in Chicago when my wife was in grad school, but really just live in this community of dreamers. You know, that is Nashville. And, you know, I love it here. I have uh, a wife and a couple of kids. And uh, so, yeah, we all, we all live here in Nashville. All right. So going, um, I, what really impressed me um, about that kind of promo video for the book was about how you talked about being at working at Apple uh, under Steve Jobs. So um, what did you do at Apple per se? Yeah. Yeah. And um, well, how did that shape the book? Yeah. So I, um, that, that was actually when I, right after I got married, my wife and I moved to Chicago and she, you know, like I said, she went to Northwestern and I was, I just come off of a season where I was tour managing for some other musicians. And uh, even before that was on the road with Tom shoes. So a lot of what I was doing was out on the road, but right after we got married, I wanted to be in town. I didn't want to have to be gone, especially with my wife. And I moved to this new city. I didn't want to leave her alone while I was, you know, out working and traveling. And so I wanted to get a, you know, a job in town and I applied at two places, Whole Foods and Apple. I was like, all right, I, I just love both of these brands. I have this belief you should love what you do. And I felt like these were two brands I'd you know, get excited to show up and work for uh, every day. So ended up getting a job at Apple at one of the retail stores. And so worked for Apple for three years. And there's, some, there's a, a few things that I've learned from Apple. And at the time, Steve Jobs was CEO. So pretty incredible opportunity to you know, work at a company with him as the leader. One of the things that I love about Apple is this idea of excellence is the price of admission. So everything that Apple does is great. And what I love about it is they're not just trying to be excellent. Like that's the expectation. Everything that they do is excellent. So I don't know, this. you might feel a little strange doing this, but the next time you go to an Apple store, just peek your head under one of the tables and just look at it because even just the way that they manage the cables is excellent. It's not just like a big mess under those tables. It's actually really, really well done. And I think for me, as I look back on my time at Apple and what are the lessons that I've carried over, this idea of everything that we do being excellent. If you think something can be better, do it better, right? Speak up, say something. If you're, if you're working with a team on a project and you feel like, you know, we're, we're missing the, we're, we're just coming up short, not hitting the mark. I think it's in all of us to have to say something. I learned that from Apple. A second thing that I learned from my time, you know, working with Steve Jobs is, you know, he said, the joy is in the journey. And I love that so much because here's a person who's experienced success at the highest level, right? I mean, the guy's creating products that millions and millions and millions of people have. He's, you know, has all the fame and money and all the things that you can imagine. But what I think is so cool about it is he talks about the, not, not the, not the destination. It, he didn't talk about the, the fame and the money. He doesn't talk about that stuff. He says, the joy is in the journey, the process that we are all, you know, going through to, to achieve some of these things. So I really love that. I think that has really shaped how I look at a lot of things. It's, it's not the destination. Success is in the process. 
All right. So kind of your next step on your uh, life journey was at StoryBrand, if I'm correct. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so what is StoryBrand? Yeah, StoryBrand. So um, so many companies companies struggle to talk about what they do. And, you know, it's, it seems crazy that you have somebody running a company, but yet they'd struggle to just talk about it in a simple way. So StoryBrand helps companies clarify their message. And they use then that clear messaging on their website, in social media posts, in emails, all of that. So if a company wants to engage more of their customers, they really go through StoryBrand, clarify that message. That message then is able to be amplified. And if, if you, you have a clear message first, then you don't risk confusing all your customers about what you do. So we, we really helped clarify that through uh, books and online courses and all sorts of other ways. So how did you kind of keep the, the gears turning at StoryBrand? Yeah. So I was employee number one. So I was the first person. And so as the company grew, at the time that I had left, um, we went from like a $250,000 a year business to like a $15 million business. Wow. And you, you're, we're solving very different problems and challenges every step of the way. And um, I remember hearing the, the CEO of Spotify say, you know, the value of a company is the sum of all problems solved. Meaning like the value of a company is learning to solve problems because that's what it is. You're, you're constantly solving problems. Um, and then as a business grows, you, you have new challenges. And so for me, a lot of that was looking at people and, and, and the, the team that we pulled together. And if there's a thing that I love to do, it's I love helping people build winning teams. And so my job really, you know, with StoryBrand, how I kept things moving was whatever challenge we were up against, whatever vision our CEO would kind of set out for all of us, I really helped pull the team together to help execute and make that happen. And so, you know, we, we had at, um, you know, right, I, I left in just a couple months ago, so it's like still super fresh, but spent almost 10 years working with StoryBrand. And, you know, right at the end, we had about 30 employees. And so I really learned to manage that group of people and, you know, help people show up and, and bring their best so that we can serve our customers uh, and everyone that interacted with our brand with excellence. What would you say is the one thing that you took from StoryBrand that really contributes to your book? Yeah. So one of the, um, the things that we did in StoryBrand is we, we explained to people how stories work. What is the formula of a great movie that maybe you'll see, right? And every movie starts with a character who has a problem. They meet a guide. The guide calls them to action. And then, you know, that either results in if they take that action, sorry. So the guide gives them a plan. The plan then the, the, the guide, you know, asks them to take action on that plan, which then either results in success or failure, right? So a big part of our messaging, a big lesson that we would teach people is your brand is not the hero. Your customer is the hero. Your brand is the guide. Like you want to be Yoda. You want your customer to be Luke Skywalker, right? So it, th that is a huge paradigm shift. And how that connects with the book is um, a, a big lesson for me, what the secret society is all about. How does the secret society define success that's maybe different from what culture is telling us success is? So, so much of our culture in this consumerism you know, world that we live in, everyone's kind of thinking and operating about themselves. 
you know, we, we're wondering what's in it for us, right? But, you know, if there's something that I've learned from the secret society is we just look at the world and, and, and operate differently. So I don't know if you're a basketball fan, but um, in 2020, LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers won the NBA finals, right? So they give a trophy out to the team who wins the NBA finals, but they also give a trophy out to the scoring leader, the player in the NBA who had the highest points per game average. So it's a pretty big deal to be the scoring leader. Michael Jordan won the scoring leader title like 10 times, I think. So you've got a guy like LeBron, you'd think, I mean, he has all the talent in the world. You'd imagine he would want that scoring title. But what's interesting to me is in 2020, LeBron didn't win the scoring title. In fact, he wasn't even in the top five, but LeBron led the league in assists, meaning the way that he chose to play was not to take over games and you know try to just score all the points himself, but how he and his team won was by him showing up, setting other people up to score. So what if success is in the assist, right? Not worrying so much about us and, and our own success, but what if we actually did things to help others win? And so that lesson from StoryBrand that, you know, be the guide, not the hero, that, that really is just another way of saying, be all about these, be, be all about the assist and show up and try to do more of that every day. So um, getting to more behind the book, when, when in your life did you think, I think I should write a book about this? Yeah, it was about five years ago. And uh, I was at this event out in San Diego and my friend Bob Goff has this retreat that he calls Dream Big. And um, at the end of this two days, they go around and everyone shares like, what's your big dream? They ask everybody that. And so I was at this event and I said out loud for the very first time, I want to write a book. It, it was just like a dream that I had. And I had worked with Donald Miller for about five years at that point. And, and I had in my life experienced um, the, you know, really just the power of books in my life. I've, I, I read a lot. And so I really love to learn and apply what I read in those books to my life. And so, you know, also then being able to work with an author you know, every day I'm able to also see how that can, you know, influence people. And, um, so I just thought, man, this would be so fun. I'd, I'd love to learn how to do that. And so, um, I wanted to enjoy the process, right? When I, I said earlier to you, the joy is in the journey. Like I really do try to approach whatever I do with that kind of a, of a, of a headspace. And so, you know, I started asking myself, myself, what would, what would need to be true for me to want to do this again, you know, I, what, what would have to happen? And, and so at the time, as I'm thinking about writing this book, I also have a full-time job and I have a wife and kids and there's just, it, it's hard to find the time to work on a book. And everyone that I've, a lot of people that I've heard that write books talk about how it's a grind and a struggle and it's difficult. And, and I'm, I just am thinking, man, what, what would need to be true for me to want to do it again? Cause that doesn't sound that fun. And so, so I wanted to enjoy the process that, you know, I wanted to enjoy the journey. And so I pulled a couple friends together that I knew helped people write books, my friend, Allie Fallon and Annie Kyle, and they helped me write the book. And I learned there's a difference between being an author and a writer. So you can still be an author of a book, have your name on the cover, but not have to write every single word. And 
If you've ever seen on the front cover of a book, an author's name, and it says with, and then somebody else's name, that with person is often the ghostwriter, the person that collaborated with them uh, on the project. And so it's actually a bunch of books, more than you probably even realize that have other collaborators and writers on that in addition to the author. So um, that's exactly what I did with this book. I worked with this team every week, kind of putting this whole thing together and um, just one step after another, I'm like writing stuff, they're writing stuff. And, and together we were able to create uh, what now is the secret society of success. So when I was looking through the book, I was kind of noticing how you were uh, pinpointing times in your life when um, you, it really made you realize, you know, like keeping up with uh, the neighbor, the Joneses isn't quite necessarily the the key to success. Um, yeah. So what, when was, maybe not the defining moment, but some moments when you really started thinking about the philosophy behind success. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, another Apple example, cause I remember seeing a video of, of Tim Cook that's been really inspiring to me. And so here Tim Cook is the CEO of Apple, but before that he was actually COO under Steve Jobs. So Steve Jobs passes away. The person who had been groomed to take over for him is, is Tim Cook. So we're at the release of the Apple Watch, and it's a pretty big moment for, for Tim and you know the company as a whole because this is the first new product in a new category since Steve had passed. So they had released other iPhones and computers, but first new product in a new category. So you know Tim's being interviewed after the, the you know, big announcement. He's on national television, and he's asked, is this the moment for you, the moment of your career at Apple? So just think about maybe how you would respond in a moment like that. You know, if you'd been aware of, the, you know, you, you fully know the history, you, you'd been working really under the radar in the shadows for so long for somebody like Steve Jobs, you know, you, you've not been given the credit and the recognition for the work that you've been doing for all these years, but you'd probably want to use that as an opportunity to like, let people know why you, you have what it takes, how you're the man for the job to kind of take the company into the next era. But what's beautiful to me is that's not at all how Tim Cook responded. He actually, you know, when asked, is this the moment for you, the moment of your career at Apple? He says, well, it's a moment for Apple. I don't really think about myself that much. And so, you know, I just have started to look at success differently when I hear stories like this, when I see people who, you know, a lot of people that I uh, have shared so far are people that are in the spotlight. They're, they're people who, who others know of, right? They have a lot of the success. But what I've learned is the secret society, it's not as much about your position or the amount of visibility that you have, but being in the secret society is more about your, the, your heart, the posture, the headspace that you show up with each day. So are you going to be somebody who's you know, going to use every moment like Tim Cook would have had in that interview to take the credit you know, to, to demand the spotlight, to tell people all that you've done to, you know, make this thing successful. Are you going to, you know, be somebody who just is going to require you're going to be the scoring leader, or are you going to be somebody like LeBron who's all about the assists? So really at the heart of, and, and the common denominator, if there's one thing for people in the secret society, it's, it's what I've been learning as I've been researching this book and, you know, really curating all these stories a common denominator for people in the secret society really is around, you know, serving others, helping others win. And I think that for me, as I look at how I want to live my life, I really want to show up 
with that kind of a posture, with that kind of a, you know, a, a heart space and headspace. I, I want to help other people when I want to serve others. And I feel like if I do that, um, I just will then let whatever success, you know, that, that culture would say is success. I, I'm just not going to worry about that. I'm just going to kind of focus on some other things instead and just really be on that journey. Yeah, well, I want to thank you for answering all my questions. And one thing I really like uh, about this book is it's honest. A lot of people that write about success, they like, they want to push their audience toward you. I'm going to make you a millionaire. I'm going to make you a billionaire. But this yeah, book is just saying, you know, look at your life and look at it from a new perspective and take, take it or leave it. And so I really, I really respect you for writing that. Yeah. And, um, so secret side of success, you can pre-order it on Amazon. It's coming out May 17th. So, and thanks for coming on the show, Tim. It's an honor. Um, yeah, Jack, I'll, I'll tell you the, the reason why I was so excited to come on your show is just how impressed I was by you and what you're doing, you know, being the age that you are with all the other responsibilities that I'm sure you have, you're carving out time to learn from other people. And, you know, the amount of preparation that you're doing to show up for each of these is, is amazing. So I, I feel like if you just keep doing what you're doing right now throughout your entire life, you're going to be you know, all of the success, whatever you, however you define success, all the success that you want, I feel like you're going to have. And, you know, I'd love to kind of just leave people with this because for me, as I was working on this book, this really has been like a North star. And it's this quote, Albert Schweitzer said, I don't know what your destiny will be. Some of you will perhaps occupy remarkable positions. Perhaps some of you will become famous by your pens or as artists, but I know one thing, the only ones among you who will be really happy are those who have sought and found how to serve. So may we be people who learn how to serve and approach our life in that way each and every day. Well, thank you. I want to thank you for, have, um, for coming on the show. And I guess we're going to have to end it here. Thank you. Guys. I love it. Thanks, Jack.